0: I'd like to know more about what you want to hear when we resume in the next couple of weeks. That'd be a big help because without you, dear listener, we would not exist. As always, thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful summer, and we'll be back soon where you can listen, learn, and connect. Today, we're pulling one of our favorite episodes from the archives because we believe some stories need to be heard more than once. Enjoy! After a stellar academic career graduating magna cum laude from Lafayette College and later completing the Women's Leadership Forum at the Harvard Business School, she has worked in key leadership positions at the Guggenheim Museum, the Metropolitan Opera, and the New York Botanical Gardens. In 2015, she came to Sarasota to spearhead the Marie Selby Botanical Gardens Master Plan. Upon completion, its aim is to become, quote, a world-class destination for plant research Conservation and environmental education, all while preserving the wonderful 49 year history of this beloved institution. Hi, I'm your host, Bob Williams, and I believe the secret sauce to any community is when you listen to each other's stories. It's one of the true pillars to the local culture and connects us in a way that cannot be done any other way. In fact, that's why I created the Sarasota Stories podcast. I started it so that you could get connected just a little deeper in this wonderful community we call home. In each episode, I interview a neighbor of ours who is doing great work and impacting our town in positive ways. So you'll hear from authors, artists, entrepreneurs, civic leaders, and others share how they chose their profession, what they're working on now, and what their plans are for the future. My guest today is Jennifer Romaneki, president and CEO of the Marie Selby Botanical Gardens. In this episode, Jennifer shares one thing most people don't know about her how Jennifer heard about the Selby opening from New York and what most intrigued her about the position, how she brings about the changes that are needed at Selby while managing the inevitable conflict it causes, why the historic Spanish Point was brought under the Selby umbrella, a great exhibit listeners should attend July through September, how listeners can get behind the Selby project, and much, much more. I'm so glad you stopped by today, as it is my hope that you will listen that you will learn, but most importantly, that you will connect. After a stellar academic career, graduating magna cum laude from Lafayette College and later completing the Women's Leadership Forum at the Harvard Business School, she has worked in key leadership positions at the Guggenheim Museum, the Metropolitan Opera, and the New York Botanical Gardens. In 2015, she came to Sarasota to spearhead the Marie Selby Botanical Gardens Master Plan. Upon completion its aim is to become a world-class destination for plant research conservation and environmental education all while preserving the wonderful 49-year history of our beloved institution she is my guest today jennifer romanecki president and ceo of the marie selby botanical gardens jennifer welcome to the sarasota stories podcast
1: thanks so much for having me on thrilled to be here well
0: it's a pleasure to have you on and um it's interesting when i was doing my research Before we talked, I just thought, what a wonderful background that you have. Uh, You spent a lot of time in New York, and we want to talk a little bit about that background. Mainly, we want to talk about the master plan that you guys uh, broke ground on back in about a year ago in 2021. That's going to be interesting to talk about. But I always like to ask my guests, what's one thing that most people don't know about you?
1: Okay. Okay. So, one thing I don't think the Sarasota audience knows about me is that I was a wicked lacrosse player in high school.
0: <laughs> is that right? Yeah. Is that right? Well, it's a great game. It's not we don't know much about that in the, in, the, in the the uh, in the Midwest where I grew up. it's always baseball, basketball, and football. yeah but Lacrosse is a great sport on the coast I know.
1: yeah it's it's a lot of fun.
0: Oh, well, that's great. Uh, did you get any scholarships or anything off of that?
1: Um, no, I, I just played, you know, through high school. And, uh, when I went to Lafayette college, I ended up not pursuing it in the name of other activities and academics, et cetera. Yeah.
0: It seems like anymore when it comes to college sports, it's almost like a, a part-time or even a full-time job to be competitive. So it's, I don't yeah. blame you for not doing that. Exactly. I don't blame you for doing that. Well, so you spent a lot of time in New York, a good part of your career in New York. How did you end up coming to Selby Gardens and and find out about this position?
1: Sure. So I tell everyone I started out in visual art at the Guggenheim Museum, moved to performing art at the Metropolitan Opera and ended up in living art at the New York Botanical Garden. And uh, I was born in Manhattan and I grew up in the suburbs of New York City. So after college, I always felt that I was going to have my stint in the Big Apple. And, um, you know, I think what's been great is being able to apply everything I learned at those institutions to Selby Gardens. And uh, basically, I had been at the New York Botanical Garden for 15 years when wow. uh, a recruiter approached me about this opportunity to be the president and CEO at Marie Selby Botanical Gardens. And I had heard of Selby Gardens because it really has international renowned for having the world's best scientifically documented collections of orchids and bromeliads. But I had never been to Selby Gardens. I'd never been to Sarasota, and I'd never been to the west coast of Florida before. Only the east coast, like all those New Yorkers tended to go, you know, to the <laughs> east coast of Florida, So um, I really was not looking to make a major move like this. But, you know, I was intrigued by the opportunity to lead, you know, an institution. So I thought, well, I'll check it out. And um, I came down here for an interview. And as soon as I set foot on the campus of Selby Gardens, I knew that the potential was just limitless. And you know, after seeing the community and how this is such an arts and culture community, in addition to being near the beach and the water and the glorious environmental aspects, I just thought, well, this is a win. And uh, my my husband is uh, a consultant, but he's home full time with our two boys. And so once I thought that the job was really a great fit, um, we were then recruited as a family, you know, so that we could understand why this would be a great move for us as a family. And uh, we decided to take the plunge.
0: Well, that's a uh, that's a neat story. Uh, what was your impression of Sarasota when you first came? Because it's so removed from the city and uh, it's just... I, I mean, I always felt felt like the Ritz Carlton kind of put us on the map here, and they they've been around I don't know ten or twelve years, maybe longer. But it's just like now Sarasota is starting to grow up; it's, it's leaving its kind of adolescent stage, and it's being discovered. And um, but I mean, what was your impressions at the time?
1: You know, I I was so impressed by how robust our city is for you know what would be called a smaller, medium sized city you know, the, the level of amenities, the arts and culture. And then, of course, you know, our spectacular Bay, the Gulf, you know, just what the region offers. It just is very special. And it has a different vibe than the East Coast. And, you know, the Gulf beaches are incredible, you know. So I just think overall, I was so amazed with what I found here. It was just so um rich in every way with what you know all the different dynamic and diverse offerings
0: i i couldn't agree more and unfortunately for my uh native sarasotan listeners who are afraid that you know too much of the story is getting out and and all of us yankees are going to come down here and ruin it for you as I, I said in a previous episode i sure hope that we add something to the culture here and uh we don't we don't ruin it all for you, but it's you. You couldn't be more uh, accurate in your description. Uh, as I mentioned, we've been coming down for many years. Moved in 2015, and it's just a lovely, lovely area. And I think it's just a great place to have a career. So you, um, but you have a very big project that you're working on right now, which I'm fascinated by, and I'm sure our listeners will be too. And it is the 2022-2025 strategic and master plan. For Selby Gardens, and I'd like to talk about that a little bit, if you will. Sure. So there were six things really that, and 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 just for our listeners, if you go to uh, selby.org, I think it is S-E-L-B-Y, selby.org, uh, everything is laid out beautifully on their website. But there are really six objectives that you wanted to accomplish once this plan is completed. And, stew- and we'll just kind of go through these and just comment how you see these playing out, because we have several years before this is, is finished. But number one was stewarding and expanding our collection. What, what do you guys mean by that? Yes.
1: So as I mentioned, we have the world's best scientifically documented collections of orchids and bromeliads. Um, We also have the world's second largest collection of spirit specimens, which are actually plants uh, preserved in fluid for research purposes. Um, In addition, we have a, a, a library collection with rare books and prints dating to the 1700s
0: that i did not know
1: so a large part of you know one of our very very key focuses is stewarding and preserving this collection you know for the generations to come and you know to further the study of biodiversity and at the same time grow it and and continue our scientific work to grow these collections
0: sounds wonderful sounds wonderful now the second pillar you have underneath your strategic plan is building Uh, our visitor engagement.
1: Yes. And so basically, for for those of you who have been coming to our changing exhibits, our our biggest sort of initiative in this area was repositioning Selby Gardens as what we call the living museum, um, for which we secured a trademark. And the idea is that art museums, create changing exhibits, and rotating programs, experiences, and events to garner repeat visitation and to always give people a reason to come back. Um, And when I first arrived here, people would say, oh, the gardens are beautiful, as if they didn't have a reason to come back. And so now we operate just as museums do with changing exhibits, programs, and events, so you always have a reason to come back.
0: That's great. And we're going to at the end here, we're going to talk about a, an exhibit that you have coming up here in July to September. But that obviously that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I've been coming to Selby for many, many years. My kids who are now in their 20s, you know, in their little watermelon dresses, uh, they were they were daughters, by the way, little watermelon dresses that uh, w- we have many photographs there. And but that but I could see where if you brought exhibits in, then it obviously gives people more and more of a reason to come and see it more frequently talk about uh then how you're gonna obviously that's going to help to diversify some of your revenue streams but talk about that if you would please
1: yes so basically we're very focused on having a diversified revenue picture and the living museum model really helps us with that because you know you you grow your visitation visitors come in they become members they become donors they they stay for lunch, they shop in the shop, and all these different revenue streams take the pressure off of private contributions and allows private support to go even further. So the more diversified the revenue picture is, the healthier it is fiscally um, to enable us to weather different, you know, issues in the market. Um, so we have really been focused on a diversified revenue picture and the living museum model has really helped us with that.
0: And I'm sure you saw that you were 15 years at the New York Botanical Gardens. Um, I'm sure you saw that in your career there. I mean, with the ebb and flow of the economics, yes. uh, environment whatnot, um, was there a specific time period of time where you said, Hey, when you're up in New York, you said, we need to diversify our revenue streams?
1: You know, I think it's it's a key area of focus for all cultural attractions and nonprofits right. these days, because, you know, at the end of the day, a nonprofit has to balance its budget. And, you know, that's about your revenue picture. And if you rely too heavily on private contributions, it can be risky, especially if there's a market downturn. So I think that all nonprofits are very focused on their sustainability. And part of that is generating diversified revenue streams for sure.
0: It's, it's true. People forget that maybe Selby is a nonprofit, but it's still a business and you do have to raise the funds. You really do.
1: That's right. I might. My, my favorite saying is, is that Nonprofit is a tax status, not a business model. You know, (laughs) the difference is the revenues that are raised are invested directly in the core mission of the institution.
0: Well said, well said. Securing our brand and global position.
1: Yes. And so, you know, that's really about, you know, everyone understanding that we are a world authority in what we do. And, um, you know, that speaks to the level of collections we have. A couple of years ago, we were named an affiliate of the Smithsonian Institution. And that huh? really speaks to the level of stewardship in our work in biodiversity and plant research. So, um, you know, we want to continue to develop that position and that brand so that people do recognize us as a world authority.
0: You know I, I think uh, the um the marketing guru Seth Godin said it best he says your brand is what you consistently do and I think that that's that's very well put but but what are some you know, when you say global position do you have give some indications of the global reach that Selby has I mean are there any news outlets where has come back to you that you know they know us in the UK or they know us in Brazil or they know us in Taiwan I mean
1: absolutely So um, part of it is awareness building and our exhibition program has really allowed us to build international awareness. So our spring exhibition was featured in London's financial times and town and country magazine. Uh, And, you know, so getting that type of earned media coverage is important in building the awareness um, we were also featured in the New York Times in their museum section um, last month, and that also helps. But in addition to this sort of media brand position, it's really just the international collaboration that we do, and um, you know, Selby Gardens throughout its its multiple decades, um, our scientists have discovered or described about 2000 species for science. And so, wow. you know, our work is, is, is really respected and internationally known and involves collaborating with um, researchers around the world. And so I think that's part of our global positioning.
0: That's very cool. And I guess number five, creating the infrastructure for our future is the one that's most visible to us right now as you're starting, as you're pushing dirt around. Yes. Talk about that if you would. Yes.
1: So really, you know, when I arrived here in 2015, I knew that Selby Gardens had significant challenges with its infrastructure. Um, you know, we had the talent, we had the collections, we had the incredible location, we had, you know, beautiful gardens but the infrastructure was really, really a tremendous problem. And so we went forward with uh, creating this master plan to preserve our history and sustain our future. And really the core tenets of the plan were about preserving those world-class collections because they had been housed on the ground in the flood zone and aging infrastructure. So we knew that we had to resolve that. Um, In addition, this is a better problem to have, but on peak days, we would turn away visitors because of a lack of parking and the amenities needed to, uh, you know, kind of manage the public. In addition, we wanted to preserve all of our historic structures as well as preserve our 15 acres downtown. You know, many people never realized that Selby Gardens was privately owned. And at any time the board of trustees could have chosen to sell parcels for high density development. And you know, we never wanted that to happen. So one of the best aspects of the plan was codifying the 15 acres as a botanical garden so that no one could break it up. And then finally we wanted to create long-term fiscal and environmental sustainability. So yeah, so those were all of the sort of core tenets of creating the master plan that's underway.
0: The last piece that you have is number six, which is fostering diversity and inclusion.
1: Yes. And, you know, that's really important. You know, we want to make sure that everyone knows that Selby Gardens is a welcoming place for all. And so, um, you know, we've seen a terrific increase and the diversity in our audiences. And that's from being really deliberate. You know, you have to be deliberate. It's all about the first visit. When anyone comes to Selby Gardens for the first time, you know, they, they see what's here, they see that there's a place for them and then they keep coming back. And so we've worked on a number of really important initiatives to foster an atmosphere that's, that's diverse and inclusive.
0: Well, the population around here is changing significantly. It's getting younger. And so you want to make sure that um, all ethnic groups are welcome to come to Selby Gardens. And I commend you for for doing that. A lot of it just has to do with exposure, being exposed. I spoke with the the opera here. I've never been to an opera. And uh, so... I think it's just exposure once you go and see what you enjoy and what you like. And I think that's a, uh, that's a very needed point on your, on your strategic plan. I appreciate that. You're bringing about all these needed changes at Selby. Um, you're kind of bringing everything into the 21st century. You're expanding what it is that you do through those six pillars that you just went over. Inevitably, there's going to be conflicts that, that arise as a result of that. You have people that, like myself, their kids were went there, maybe they were kids and, and now their grandkids are coming and whatnot, and they like the memories of old. And so you have to deal at some point with the pushback that you're going to get when you do major renovations and upgrades. How have you been able to really balance those, you know, kind of balance those different, uh, those counter perspectives?
1: Well, that's a great question. You know, it's it certainly I think that we as an institution, you know, we're just very focused on our core mission the whole time. You know, we knew that this master plan was necessary to preserve our history and sustain our future. And we never took our eye off the ball. Now, you know, when I, I think we did everything we could to listen to those who were concerned about this plan. We made um, compromises based on that entire process. We we made changes based on what we heard. But at the same time, we never strayed from the core reasons we were doing it. And I think that was really admirable of our board of trustees all of our constituents that just stayed the course and you know change can be difficult but it's necessary otherwise you know you and especially for nonprofits because you're you're risking the institution's sustainability and we were at a place where if we didn't fix ourselves and shore ourselves up for the future we might not make it and it was as simple as that right so that was our right. focus, really.
0: Right. It's it's often been said you're not managing your the change, you're managing the conflict that it brings, and it would seem like that's a lot what you have to do in your role.
1: It's true, you know, and and it's 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 for the good of all, really. It's for the good of the institution, for the community, um, you know, and just for the furtherance of our mission overall. So. You know, it sounds very noble, those, those kinds of mission statements, but, you know, if you stick to what, you know, that, that type of core importance, you don't get too lost, you know?
0: Right, right. Well, on top of all that, then you've had to deal, like so many other businesses, profit or not, you had to deal with a pandemic and that's over, but now you have supply chain constraints. So tell us about that and has that put you behind the timeline or give us an update there.
1: Sure. So the the interesting thing about the pandemic as it pertains to Selby Gardens is that we ended up during the pandemic when we were closed in the spring of 2020 tripling our acreage by adopting the historic Spanish Point campus 10 miles south of the downtown campus. And you know, it was kind of a confluence of events. Um, Historic Spanish Point was having trouble generating sustainable revenue for the long term. And they approached us about to have a dialogue about whether it might be a good fit for us to adopt them. And so we started talking in January 2020. It seemed like a good idea. And then the pandemic hit in March 2020. And we had to Clothes. And, you know, we as an institution thought, well, you know, do we want, we still want to do this? Do we think this is the right thing? And unanimously, we felt that it was, you know, as far as the longer view, that it was the right thing to not only preserve this wonderful 30 acres on the bay, but incorporate it into Selby Gardens. And you know what we loved about it is, is that our downtown campus is really known for its orchids and bromeliads, whereby Historic Spanish Point gives us the place to focus on native Florida and and old Florida. And there's there's five thousand years of history on that site, you know, with with archaeological uh, sites and shell shell mounds burial mounds. I mean, it's incredible. And it just was a right fit to put the two together. So now we're one institution, Marie Selby Botanical Gardens, with our downtown Sarasota campus and our Historic Spanish Point campus.
0: Now, I have been to his Historic Spanish Point many times because I virtually live right across from it. And I've, I will say I can see tremendous amount of potential there. And it has a wonderful wonderful historical background. And um, I guess my question is, is, what was the legal structure of Historic Spanish Point? And, and how, how did you have to, I guess, navigate the change in paperwork to bring it underneath your umbrella?
1: Sure. So Historic Spanish Point, you know, its its corporate entity is the Gulf Coast Heritage Association. And it had its own board of trustees. And the board of of trustees unanimously voted for the entity to become a supporting organization of Selby Gardens. Um, And so that's how it it came to be. And then Selby Gardens, the board of trustees of Selby Gardens is a mirror board over Gulf Coast Heritage Association. So that Uh, one board, you know, it's the same group that's the board over both entities so, um, we did navigate all of that sort of governance structure and, you know, we, we went through with the adoption while we were closed and then we, we, you know, and it was a tenuous time. And then sure. at, at the end of, uh, May, we reopened both campuses to the public. And I think what we ended up, we, we found ourselves in this funny niche where we were one of the few places that visitors still felt comfortable going to because we had this wonderful open air Bayfront sanctuaries. You know, we were the perfect place to have respite and refuge from everything going on. And so as a result of that, since, since that reopening in May, 2020, I mean, we've had record breaking attendance at both of our campuses. And, And I think, if there if there one aspect that came out of the p- pandemic that was actually good was everyone realizing how important open green space is, you know, to everyone. I think it was underscored during this challenging time for everyone
0: it, it's It's funny that you would say that because uh, to me, I do think it's a part of mental health. Um, living in the Cincinnati area at times we would you know January, February, March, Or even more, we would have these long gray winters and whatnot. And I'd go to the botanical gardens there, actually, the Crone Conservatory, and just getting out in the green space and and smelling the oxygen and whatnot. It's just really kind of, really kind of helped to reset your your mental focus and whatnot. So I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. Well, it sounds like a, a marriage made in heaven. I'll be curious to see what happens you know, as you guys kind of work on the uh, Spanish point going forward. That's going to be fascinating. But I don't know if we got off topic a little bit, but has there been any um, setbacks from the supply chain issues? Um, are you still on point or?
1: We, so with the, the construction downtown? Um, yes. Yes, miraculously. It's been, you know, it's been a, a tough time to navigate all that goes into building a project of this magnitude But um, you know, we were able to secure bond financing before the close of calendar year 2021. That was critical in our ability to move forward. And then we locked in all of our pricing on the project, and um, we are on track to complete phase one in August 2023, just over a year from now. And Phase one is the biggest part of the project. It includes a new welcome center, a new plant research center that houses all of our collections and research activities with a new herbarium, a new laboratory, a new library. Um, And then it also includes what we call our living energy access facility or the LEAF. And yes, it houses parking. It also houses a one-story garden-to-plate restaurant, um, as well as a new gift shop. But the kicker is that it has a 50,000-square-foot solar array on the roof that will make us the first net-positive botanical garden complex in the world, generating more energy than we consume. And phase one also includes surrounding garden features, pathways, courtyards, a wonderful multi-use recreational trail around the perimeter of our property that is accessible to the public as well as some off-site roadway improvements. So there is a lot happening at our downtown campus right now.
0: Yes there is and it all sounds wonderful and again to the listeners I encourage you to go to the website and particularly if you go under the about tab you will see the master plan there and there are if not weekly, monthly updates on what's happening there. They have a nice video that shares what it's going to look like by the end. So uh, I really encourage you to go there. Jennifer, let me, so, so to this point, I mean, what are you most proud of?
1: You know, I think, um, I, I think I'm think i most proud of how our reach has grown as far as our, uh, the inclusivity of our constituency and of our membership, we now have about eighteen thousand member households. Um, so that's that's twice what it was when I got here um, wow. in twenty fifteen. So I think that the response for the from the community has been phenomenal, as far as you know, everyone um, embracing our new direction, our new initiatives, and our new programming. And I'm also really proud of the funds raised for this master plan. So we've, we've raised more than $52 million for this project, um, the vast majority of which are from, are from private contributions of people that you know, care deeply about this community, live here. Sure. Some have been here for a long time. And some are new, and it's a, just a great mix of people that see why this institution is worthy of investment and why this project will benefit our entire community for the generations to come.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Now, we talked earlier about the revolving exhibits that you have throughout the year to just continue to bring people in and be interested in Selby. You have one coming up in July that runs through September. What is that about?
1: Yes. So we're getting ready to open Flora Imaginaria, the flower in contemporary art. And basically this year, we're calling the year of photography at Selby Gardens. And we're we're really focusing on photography, both as an art form and as a method of documenting the plant world. And so what we will have on view is 70 contemporary photographs all featuring different interpretations of the flower as an art form. And what's really exciting about this is that it really exemplifies our living museum model in that about 40 of the works are going to be shown outdoors and are being printed on aluminum. And so the viewer will get to look at these works of art, but be out in the garden setting. And then the remainder of the works, about uh, 30, will be indoors in our museum. And so it really will be an innovative indoor-outdoor experience that opens to the public July 16th and runs through September. So we hope everyone will come and check it out.
0: Well, then you made this last question probably the easiest one possible is, you know, how would you like the listeners to get behind the Selby project?
1: Great. Great. Well, you know, we, we, we need all the support we can get. So, you know, just everything from supporting the project directly to being a member and just a general contributor, all of that is, is how you can really help Selby Gardens. And if you're not a member or supporter, just go to selby.org and, you know, you can learn about how to support us. And, and even if you're interested in volunteering, Because we have an incredible volunteer corps. We have about 800 volunteers. Wow. And and that accounts for about $1.6 million in labor that's contributed every year. So there are many ways you can support Selby Gardens.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Jennifer, I appreciate you being on the podcast today and I encourage everybody to go to your website and learn more about it, but more importantly, go to Selby. You guys are open during construction, obviously. Wow. You have this exhibit coming up, so don't hesitate. And uh, But once again, it's been a pleasure having you on the show and I appreciate all my listeners too.
1: Terrific. Thank you for having me
0: on. You bet. Bye-bye. Hello, dear listeners. This is Bob again. Thank you so much for stopping by. I sure hope you enjoy listening to our interviews as much as we do providing them. If so, would you do me a little favor? Go to Sarasotastories.co and enter in your email. That way you'll get notifications of all upcoming episodes. Also, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And remember, no matter where you go, to listen, learn, and connect.